Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Educators to Educators podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. I can't wait to introduce our guest to you today. But before we get started, I want to remind you that this episode is being sponsored by the E2E membership site. The goal of the E2E membership site is to help teachers love being a teacher again through personal and professional development. We have so many fabulous modules within the membership site and you can earn brand new, beautiful completion certificates with unique QR codes, by the way, that last forever. And we now have badges that you can earn through the E3 membership site. So you can use those to turn into your school district for credit or to throw on your LinkedIn or whatever you'd like to do with that. So you can learn more about the E2E membership site over at www.educators2educators.com. Don't forget, that is the number two. Today's guest is someone who I have been hearing his voice <laughs> in my house this entire fall. So as many of you know, I have two kids. I have a fourth grader and a seventh grader. My seventh grade son has been going back and forth between virtual learning and hybrid learning and now back to virtual learning like many of you are experiencing. And it's funny, we were eating lunch today together and I was saying, can I share a little bit about how virtual learning's been for you, Jacob? And basically what we came down to is that most middle schoolers and most kids are not enjoying virtual learning. It is hard. It's different. Kids have to sit in front of a computer all day. So at the beginning of this school year, I would go off to the gym in the morning and leave Jacob with his dad, who was also working from home to be, uh, you know, doing his schoolwork. And I would always come home around the time that my son was in his digital literacy class, his seventh grade digital literacy class. And throughout the weeks of him in this class, I would overhear things. My husband would overhear things. And my husband and I would always say, man, did you hear that digital literacy teacher? He sounds really cool. And I saw that he was teaching my son really important things just at the right time when he needed them. He had some major impact on my son, even during these tough times. So I made my son go to his Google Classroom and do his Gmail and email his teacher, Mr. File. A Which professional. he did. Yep. Yep. To Gmail. And he introduced me to Mr. File. So Mr. File, before I give everyone your rundown, welcome to the E2E podcast. Thank you for having me. I look forward to chatting with you. And I didn't know, you guys, that he was a radio guy. So do you hear that radio voice? Which do you want the real radio? Well, just yes, go, go deeper with that one. I'll just yes. do that voice. Yes, please do that. Whatever you'd like to say in that radio voice. <laughs> Anytime. I'll just talk the whole time in that voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Michael File is a teacher at Edison Middle School in Wheaton, Illinois, where he teaches sixth grade social studies, sixth grade collaboration and leadership, and a seventh grade digital literacy class. Mike is relatively new to teaching. This is his sixth year at Edison. Before teaching, Mike worked in engineering and radio, which gives him the opportunity to have different experiences to bring to the classroom. His seventh grade digital literacy class utilizes those experiences and engages kids with an honest, real world look at issues and topics related to technology and that responsibility. Woo! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it seems like so deep and heavy. 
Yeah. Well, you're a cool guy and no wonder your class is so interesting because what I heard you doing was bringing the real world to our students, which is so important in this digital age. When it was offered to me, when I had the opportunity to take it over from my principal, she asked if I wanted to do it. And I'm like, this really, can I do whatever I want. She's like, as long as you hit the standards of 21st century learning and critical thinking and the other ones, she's like, do what you want. And technology and because I have I have a sixth grader and I have a 16 year old junior and I know what they're into. And to keep kids engaged, it's right in their wheelhouse. And it's awesome. You know, it's It is interesting. I mean, some ways I wish our kids could grow up more like we did where we were not so in touch with everything. I mean, literally everything is at our kids' fingertips and I'm constantly feel like we're filtering and making sure in our home that they're only seeing, you know, age appropriate things. But I think that when I think about you in the school setting, teaching some of the lessons I overheard you teaching, there are kids out there whose parents don't understand the technology. And so kids have free reign, you know, to get to anything. Which, which I agree with. And when I first took it on, my first, my first is because it's a quarterly class, it rotates. But when I first took it on, I was really, I focused on, oh, you know what, I should have the kids make sure they, you know, they don't use their technology, you know, they don't need the phones, they shouldn't do, and I thought about it, reflecting, as teachers do, I'm like, that's not the approach I should take. I should take the approach that they're going to use the technology, they're going to have the technology, it's going to be, as I say to my students, once they have a phone, they will forever have a phone. They will yeah. never be without a phone, so now it's an accessory. What I want them to understand is, that there's so much they need to be responsible for now and they need to know it. So everything is real world. I don't make any, you know, there's no teacher created things. I don't create anything. Oh, here's an example. I don't do that. It's all people do enough stuff for me in the real world for my curriculum to give examples for. (laughs) Okay. In a second, we're going to introduce the topic of this podcast, but I heard you, I overheard you doing something that was like, okay. It reminded me, I used to listen to this radio show and they would talk about like dumb crooks, like things dumb crooks would do. Didn't you do an activity every day or every week that was kind of a spin on that of like dumb things people did in the world? Well, I had one section called mom. I would never do that where we talked about like things people have done. Some of them are quite shocking, literally, and some of them are quite sad. But, you know, there's always somebody that you have a knucklehead friend who talks you into something and he brings or he or she brings a phone and then they take a picture. And now, as opposed to me, there was no pictures. There was no place to post any pictures when I was that age. But now you take a picture, you post it on social media, and then bad things happen. So I have a section that I call mom. I would never do that because most of us have said something like that. I would never do something yeah. like that. So it's yep. a bunch of stories that where kids, I walk through these stories with the kids and all the ramifications that can happen when you do these kind of things. So yeah, it was a good well, section. I say, you, you teach at a very special place. I hear people in our community say all the time that Edison Middle School is truly a special place. And I'm, I'm so grateful that my son got to be in your class. Uh, so thank you thank for everything you. that you taught him in that short quarter. It felt too short. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, of course. I truly mean it. So let's talk about digital literacy. So 
when we started talking about what we were going to do for this podcast, I said, you are teaching this course on digital literacy. My audience are teachers. Let's see how many examples and the knowledge that you can pass on to any type of teacher, general teacher, elementary school, middle school, high school. So as you're listening to this today, we might be talking more from like that middle grades perspective, but think about how you could adapt these things for younger and older students. So we're going to cover three subtopics as we always do. We're going to talk about relationships with technology, emailing, and privacy or lack thereof. So let's start with your relationship with technology. When I start the quarter, I always enjoy getting kids to understand where they're at with technology. So I start off the quarter. It's super simple. Like, hey, what's your what's your level of technology use? Is it high, medium, or low? And kids, and I get them to be honest because there's no reason to lie. So they're honest, as kids are typically able to do in class. And some kids will raise up their hand low. Some kids will raise up their hand medium. Some will be honest and raise their hand high. And then we, we talk about that. And then what I do for this particular lesson is I have them add up all the time that they spend on their devices, gaming, their phone, watching TV during, and not the computer, not for, it's not during school time per se, but it's like an average week when you're not at school because adding up, like for, for instance, having them add up their school time computer use now would be unfair. So I try to take that out of it. If they use their phone for music in the background while they do something else, that doesn't count. So in general, any device over any platform that they use for the course of seven days, then they, I add them, ask them to add it up in number of hours for a week. So they do that. And once they add it up, I have everybody announce their numbers to the whole class so everybody can hear. And there'll be a range. Some kids will have like 12. Some kids have had in the 60s range, which that's when I giggle because I always hope for the one or two students that are in the 40 plus range for one specific reason, which is great when you put it in this this basic perspective. I have them relate it to a part-time and full-time job. A part-time job is one to 39 hours. So, and then a full-time job is 40 hours plus. So if you're using your technology from one to 39 hours, you're performing a part-time job that you're not getting paid for. Yes. Or if it's over 40 hours, you're doing a full-time job that you're not getting paid for. Because most kids are consuming as opposed to creating which yes. I think is a big distinction because I have some kids that are like, well, I, I make things for YouTube and I post content, which is a little bit different. And then we talk about that as well. Right. I mean, I, I think for me, one of the things my younger daughter has really gotten into over quarantine is editing. She she takes all these screenshots of these characters and then makes edits them together and to make movies. And That's awesome. I'm like, that is cool. It's and it's such a cool skill. And I told her, I'm going to teach you now how to use iMovie and GarageBand, and you're going to start editing my podcast and videos for me here soon. Right. Um, I would say the one thing that Jacob really walked away from with your class is this lesson that you did, because it was such an aha moment. And we've talked about it since, right? Because 
listen, that kid is getting way more video game time than I would ever allow because we're in a pandemic and everything's shut down and we're really being, you know, we're trying to follow the rules. So, but when it gets to be too much, we start to say, hey, you know, we have a device on our house called a circle device. So it tracks everything our kids are doing. And so we're also able to look at that. But we use that reference. Like you worked more than I did at work. You <laughs> right. on video games or play on your computer more than I worked this week. That's a problem, you know? And um, he's a great kid and he deserves that downtime for sure. But I loved that lesson. And I think anyone could do that at any age, K to high school. I mean, the younger younger kids, a teacher could have have parents help them track just for a couple of days. They may not get the full-time, part-time job thing, but right. I think it is important for us all adults too to track how much we're, we're staring at that screen. Well, and even in this lesson it always comes up like my parents are on their phone just as much as me i'm like yeah i understand but i don't have your parents in my class i don't care i'm i'm only caring i only care about you and yes your parents are on their phone and some some parents are working on their phone and i get that but one of the things i do say to the kids do the things that the way you want the world to be not the way it is so if mm-hmm. you want to be on your device that much, it's only going to get worse. And while we're talking about this, I point out that like in 20 years, some of you will have kids. And is technology going to get worse or better? Are we going to have more technology or less? And they're like, well, we're going to have more. I'm like, well, if it's if you think it's bad now, what's it going to be like in 20 years? So, and like, are you going to be working and then you're going to still be doing things on technology? It's, it. the whole point is to get them to be mindful of, what they have in the technology and be able to understand that, well, you know what, your mom, mom just pointed out that you've been on the Xbox for four hours. And I will agree. My son has been on Xbox more than he would normally be allowed to, but he can't go out to any friend's house. He can't run to anybody's, you know, anybody's house and play. So yeah. What else is he going to do? Exactly. And with in we're in Illinois, so our sports have been shut down, our activities a lot. <laughs> I think we've had a little bit more of that. But so have those kids track their time and then teach them the lesson of how that converts to a job. I mean, you could even take that further and say, well, what if you were getting paid minimum wage for that job? How much money could you have made? Right. Um, so I love that lesson that teachers can bring into into their classroom. So and, let's talk yeah. about. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say it just. Any level, because all kids are now, even I think now the new average for kids getting phones is fifth grade. So it's getting younger. So you can easily track some of that information. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's talk about emailing. I think this is a great topic, and I'm glad you also talked to uh, your students about this. So how can email be a positive things, a positive thing in kids' lives? Well, one of the one of the things I say, and it's kind of a thread that I have through the whole class, is I I often say that if you want to be taken seriously, you need to do serious things. And one of the serious things is emailing. You have to know how to self-advocate for your needs, especially in this remote learning style or the situation we're in, or even just in general. So a lot of kids know how to email, but I like to show them how to properly format an email, how to set up a signature block, which they totally dig at the end of the day. They're like, oh my gosh, I could send an email and they have a signature block at the bottom. That's cool. <laughs> and then I have to remind them, don't forget to change it the next, the following year. So you're not sending email when you're an eighth grader and it still says seventh grade, but those are minor details. But 
if I can get them to self-advocate for themselves using email early on, that'll help as they move through all the school that they're going to complete. And even in when they get into the business world, most places you're going to have to email people and you need to understand how to email. One of my favorite lessons that I do within the email is my wife's name is Heather. And we have another teacher in the building named Heather as well. And what I do is I show them how to write an email. So I type in Heather in this, in the two line and just hit return. It doesn't go to my wife because my wife's not listed first. My <laughs> teammate is listed listed first. So I say, hey, baby, I'm going to go get dinner tonight. Can't wait to see you. It's our anniversary. <laughs> Love you. Stud muffin. And I hit send. And the kids are freaking out because it's going to the teacher that they know they had the pre they had in sixth grade. And they're like, Mr. File, you didn't send it to your wife. I'm like, I totally did. I sent it to my wife, Heather. And they're like, you didn't do that. You sent to so-and-so. And then, of course, I cop to the idea that I already know. And the other teacher will respond if she's not in class. And she'll respond, hey, baby, nice to hear from you because she's messing around because she knows it's coming. But I point out, if you just type things in, it's going to go where it's told. Mm-hmm. I told it to go to the wrong Heather and the, how the implications of what, what could that do? If I send something like that to the wrong person and she didn't have a sense of humor or it was inappropriate or anything. She didn't have a heads up, right? right. Like she didn't have that heads up. Which she knew yeah, it was coming. I've been doing, do. right. I send her an email like a day, two or days before. Hey, by the way, the email lesson's coming up. She's like, I'll look forward to it. And, <laughs> and it's this way. And so they need to know how to set up an email, the pitfalls of email, how to CC someone just so they understand that. And it's, I, I like the lesson because once they I've been told by other seventh grade teachers at seventh grade lunch when I'm sitting down, oh, you did the emailing lesson because now I'm getting emails. I'm out sick. I'm on vacation. I'm on, I don't understand this work. I'm like, perfect. They're advocating for themselves. Yeah. And these kids, I mean, the amount of email that my son gets is mind blowing to me. Right. Because, you know, especially in this virtual world, that's the only way to communicate. So I love that you taught that lesson. And I actually, when Jacob sat down to write that email to you, I said, I'm going to teach you how to introduce someone to someone else on email. That's what we're going to do right now. So I instead of, instead of me emailing you and being like, oh, hey, I'm Jacob's mom. I was like, no, Jacob, you're going to learn how to introduce someone. <laughs> I don't know if you remember at the very end, he wrote like, P.S. My mom's looking over my shoulder <laughs> yes. and told me everything to write because he was like, it was so formal. I think it made him feel like, okay. But it, but it's, that's exactly what I think we need to do. I give them the basics to be able to do that. But because there's so many layers to writing emails, yep. you have to start somewhere. And yep. in middle school, and, and I get it, I used to, I, I taught fifth grade as a substitute at one point, And there's not time. They can you can say, oh, I need to email, but there's not time to sit down and really show yeah. them how to do it. In digital literacy, I have that time. But because there's so many layers and so many things to worry about in emailing, you gotta start somewhere. And I love it. Just being yeah. able to get a basic, here's what you need to do is exactly what you want. Well, I love what you said. Like self-advocacy is such an important part of school. It really, really is, especially I think as they move up 
into middle school and high school where they're switching class and even right. into college, like being able to communicate, being able to say, Hey, I'm struggling with this or, Hey, I really like this. I want more of this um, is so key. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're doing that. Well, thank you. Cause the, the I had to have a follow-up lesson because there were some kids that need to understand tone yes. and which I have to incorporate next quarter. I have to really hit that tone is such a big thing that they don't quite get. You know, you don't demand that I grade your paper right now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, don't. I'm sorry you have an F, but you haven't turned it in in three weeks. So now you want me to grade it so you don't have an F anymore. I, I you know, in the middle of stuff. So it's. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how the word please can just really <laughs> change the tone of an email? Or would you be able to, as opposed to, can you do it right now? Yeah. Or, because they're freaking out because their parents took away their Xbox which until is a, the grade goes up. <laughs> which is exactly what it was. Yep. All right. Let's talk about privacy. What privacy? Exactly. One of the things that I like in my lessons here is the fact that it's it's so big. It starts off small. Like, let's ego surf. Just type in your name. See what comes up. And the kids that play, like, park district sports there's information will come up and they'll be like, Oh, why is that there? I'm like, well, cause it's a park district. It's posted on the, you know, the website. And then we talk about how easy it is to find, you know, that. And we talk about how I can ask, I'll, I'll ask a student, Oh, do you play what park district team do you play for? And I'll say the Wheaton wings and a lot of, t and I'm just picking things off the top of my head. I don't even know if there's a Wheaton wings. And he's like, no, I play for the Wheaton, whatever the Wheaton Rams or something. I'm like, well, thank you for telling me who you play for. And I'm like, you're just giving away information as opposed to if somebody asks you a yes or no question, why are you responding with a paragraph? They asked you a yes or no question. So all of that, we just give out our privacy, but the kids want privacy, but they go online and they just, just give it away. So we Google, we Eagle surf our name. I have them Eagle surf or Google their phone number. And sometimes things will come up. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll figure out that, oh, there's my mom's name because their phone number is tied to their parents' account. And then from there, we get, it gets a little creepy and scary because from there we go to whitepages.com and we hit the address, address part. And you could pretty much type in your parents' names and it'll bring up your address, your phone number, the people who lived in your house before you. Sometimes when you type in your address, people will have, I've had kids find their house and pictures of their inside their house because their house has been sold. The realtor posted pictures online. So they're able to see like, oh my gosh, that's my bedroom. I painted it, but we just, that's my bedroom. Like, right. It is creepy. And I mean, there was one girl who, when we were doing this, she found out her parents were married before and divorced. <gasps> so she's like, oh, no. so when we did the addresses thing, she's like, Mr. Fa, I don't know who these names of these people are on this list. I mean, there's me, my brother, my dad, my mom, and there's these other people. So apparently she went to a family reunion like a week later and she, that's, She's like, who are these people? And she brought up their names and her parents are like, oh yeah, we just never really thought about telling you we were married before. So oh my God. I know it was, it was totally awesome. 
I totally loved it. It's like, thank you for proving my point, Google. So as, as long as the parents weren't mad at you, that's what I would be scared of. Well, but <laughs> see, and they weren't, but we didn't pay for any of the information. All the information right. was literally there. one, two clicks away. Yep. I've had kids, I've had kids find out my salary, the name of my wife, my address, and showed me a picture of where I lived. Because I just have them do family members, but I'm like, you could do anybody. And they did, which was one kid did me. And I'm like, all that information's there. He's like, whoa, that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, it is. So, I mean, that right there, you can have any level student ego surf and find out how much information is out there. That's not hard at all. Well, and I think it's interesting when I think about, I did have a guest on here before, way back, like two years ago, she works at Google and we were talking about digital literacy and we were talking about some of the other stuff like online bullying and training kids. But I think there are simple lessons like what you are doing, especially at the middle school age where they're so egocentric, like everything's about them, that you are doing lessons like this that is really truly about them and their experiences. Yeah, I I try to make it relevant. And well, let me circle back to the one we talked about at the beginning, mom, I would never do that. Most of those stories, most of the stories deal with high school students and young adults. They're not, you know, 60 year old people making mistakes. They're people around their age using social media so they can, they can grasp onto that. They can see that they can see why their parents are like freaking out that they're always on social media and you know, why are you taking pictures of every little thing? Are you posting on that stuff? And if you can make it engaging, relatable, and use their technology, you know, to inform them, it's, that's why I really like digital literacy. I get to do all that stuff. Well, and to wrap this up, I think thinking about this through a lens of a parent, I think a lot of times when you have younger kids and and you're a younger parent, you think, well, my kid's a good kid. They would never, ever, you know, they would never uh, look at something they shouldn't look at online, or they would never put something out. They would never hurt someone's feelings online or whatever. The problem is, is that stuff finds them. Right. Oh yeah. It's not, they don't have to go searching for it. It's usually just right there. Yeah. And And, and you just have to keep an eye on it. You really do as a parent have to keep an eye on what your kids are doing online because it's really easy for them to end up somewhere they're not supposed to be and not because they're looking for it. Right. And, and it's so hard because it's, what are you supposed to do? Sit over their shoulder all the time doing this. And it, it's just such a different world, which is what I tell my students as well. This is a different world than I grew up with. Parents are working their way through it just like you are, except they know a lot of the pitfalls that you're going to get into because they're older and have a wider view. Yeah. Yep. Well, this was really fun. This is a good topic to talk about. I loved having your radio voice on here. (laughs) Listener, Um, but thank you for sharing your time and talent with teachers all over the world. Thank you. Through this podcast. And uh, thanks for being an amazing educator for my son too. Thank you. You're welcome. And it's, it's my pleasure. I thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Educators to Educators podcast. Before all of you go, I want to make sure you know where to find out what's going on here at E2E. We have a brand new digital newsletter that we have launched in 2021. And you go to the same place every week and we change the info based on 
all the exciting stuff that's going on here. So you want to check that out at www.educators2educators.com backslash newsletter. Once again, educators2educators.com backslash newsletter. That of course is the number two in the middle of that. So go there. We have YouTube videos. We have what's trending in Teachergram and on Teacher Facebook. We have just all kinds of workshops and opportunities. So you don't want to miss that out. Bookmark that. Check it out. And until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on.